Hello, Seacoast. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? All right. I want to welcome all of our campuses at the Seacoast uh, Network, uh, our venues, the Chapel Warehouse. If you're joining us online, we're really glad that you're with us as well. It's going to be a fun weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. How many of you would rather be at church than Death Valley on a Saturday night against Florida State any day of the week? Me too. This is a place of healing for both Gamecock fans and Tiger fans today. So, hey, uh, we're finishing up this series and we're going to do a Q&A panel. First of all, I know a lot of y'all may be wondering, where's Greg? Shouldn't Greg be answering questions? Uh, we, we kicked him out. We asked him not to. Actually not. He's, he, normally when he's not here, he's at an ARC church. He may be preaching somewhere. He had a great opportunity this weekend, kind of a bucket list type of opportunity. He, uh, one of the assistant coaches for the Indianapolis Colts, is a friend of Seacoast and has come and spoken at some of our men's events in the past. And he invited Pastor Greg and, and Pastor Michael Morris to come up with them this weekend to lead their chapel uh, and to, to go to the game with them tonight. They play the Denver Broncos. There's a player on the Broncos that I guess used to play for the Colts. Um, big deal. But so Greg uh, was able to lead the chapel for the Indianapolis Colts and uh, speak a curse over them so the Broncos would win tonight. And... Um, <laughs> But cool opportunity for him, and so that's where he is. If you guys happen to catch the game uh, this weekend, I think it's on tonight. Uh, you may want to look for them on the sidelines, but they're, they're in Indianapolis. But we're going to do a Q&A, and this is going to be different. This is going to be raw. This is, uh, normally, we would come up with a, a message sort of prayed through, planned out, uh, ready to preach, and today's message really is dependent on your questions. So if you have good questions, it's going to be a good message. If you don't have good questions, it's on you. And so uh, we, we really do want some of your questions you've asked for the last couple of weeks on our Facebook page, and we've got a few of those that we're going to launch from, but we wanted to leave opportunity. I know many of you didn't get a chance to go on our Facebook page, didn't get a chance to ask your questions. So during our service today, please text in questions. We're gonna be taking a lot of questions that are coming in during today's service. And so there's a phone number, 843-375-6035. That's Pastor Josh Walter's cell phone number. And uh, we just wanted you to... <laughs> It's not really his phone number. Uh, but, but we're gonna take questions uh, all, all throughout the service and we'd love for you to ask your honest questions. And uh, because of that, it may be PG-13 today uh, at all of our campuses. If you have children uh, that, are, that are too young to hear maybe uh, the, the topics that, that would be related to marriage and dating and singleness, then you may wanna use our children's ministry environments. If you have a 13-year-old in the service with you, I would really encourage you to leave them in the service with you. It's so, totally up to you as parents uh, but, but these are things that they're probably going to hear from their friends. They're going to get a, a worldview perspective of these things. Why not have them hear about it from a, in a safe environment here at church and to hear what God's word says about it? That brings me to my second rule is I'm going to do my best in our panel. We're, we're going to try to talk out of God's word on, on our questions. So if God speaks to something, then we're going to tell you what the Bible says about it. Uh, if, it's, if it's unclear or maybe there are issues that are gray, that scripture doesn't speak clearly about, we'll let you know that and we'll kind of give you our opinion, but we'll try to let you know when it's our opinion versus when it's what God's word does say about something. And so, uh, and, and one ground rule for you guys, and I think for all of us, would be a scripture that I wanna be the basis of, of our understanding of where we launch from today. And it's a scripture out of James, uh, James chapter one, verses five through eight. And I want you guys to take a look at it with me. It says that uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And you know, when I read this scripture, usually that's where I stop to go, you know what, God, God says ask for wisdom, we can ask, he'll give it to us. But there's an important qualifier at the, the, the next part of the scripture that I want us to hear. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. 
Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So, so as we go before the Lord with our questions today, let's not have ears to hear what we want to hear. Let's not have ears to hear what, kind of try to listen for the little pieces that line up with, with our worldview. Let's have a heart that says, God, we want to be undivided in our loyalty to you. If you speak on a matter, we want, we want to take that to heart. And so when our lives contrast the Bible, one of two things has to change. Either we're going to try to make the Bible say what we want it to say, or we're going to conform our lives to what the Bible does say. And so let's, let's do the latter today, uh, kind of as a, a ground rule. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome our panel up. Would you guys welcome Josh and Katie Walters and Lisa Surratt as they come to the stage? Josh is the campus pastor here at the Long Point campus, and many of you have heard him, one of our teaching pastors, and Katie has been married to him for about 11 years, and she has a degree in counseling and uh, heads up our, our encouragers ministry here at Seacoast at the Long Point campus, uh, which is kind of our counseling ministry. And then Lisa has put up with me for 12 and a half years, so she has a lot of wisdom <laughs> on that. Yeah, these guys know me, and they appreciate what she's, what she's done. We aren't an expert on marriage, dating singleness. We happen to be teaching pastors here at Seacoast and our, and our spouses, and uh, we're going to do our best to give you kind of a biblical uh, worldview of the questions. So, it's good. I'm excited. You know, you mentioned at the beginning of the service that this was a place of healing for Carolina and Clemson fans. But <laughs> as we get started, I think it'd be important to note that yesterday you kicked off the service with a Carolina joke. Yeah. There's no jokes that I want to make here. I'd just like to point that out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, um, do we have any volunteers? We have an open spot on the panel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> worth noting. All right, let's, let's jump in. That's, that's all we'll talk about football today. Let's, let's jump in. How do you keep falling in love? We all change from the person we were when we were first married. Amen to that. Yes. Yeah. How many of you are thankful that you changed from the person that you were yes. when you were first married? This was a question that was posted on the Facebook page that came in earlier in the week, and uh, you know, Scripture doesn't speak directly to it, but I think there's definitely principles here that apply for us. When I think about Katie and I's relationship when we first got together, our love for one another was ridiculously fun and flirty, uh, but it was void of any responsibility, struggle, or children. So we kind of lived in this love bubble where I was making a decision to love Katie, but at that point I was so infatuated with her, I was making the decision almost subconsciously. You know, every day I was thinking, what could I do for her today? How could I serve her today? Uh, laying my life down for her was a joy because she's all I was, I was thinking about anyway. You know, so the question for us with this question is once the newness wears off, how do we help bring about those emotions again? And I think the principle in scripture that we see is that love is a feeling. No question when you come together, there's endorphins that are released. There's stuff that's going on on the inside. Uh, but real love at the end of the day is a choice. You know, one of the passages that most of you are familiar with, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, when, when marriage, when life, when parenting was so far from God's original plan, he looked down on man and woman and his great love for us and gave. He made a decision that he was going to love. So I would say whether it's been two months or two years or 20 years, you have to make a decision 
that regardless of where the feelings are, I'm going to behave in a way that's going to cultivate love between us. And so many of you model that for Katie and I here. I'd say an important principle is having folks that are down the road yep. that have the kind of relationship yeah. you would want to have. One couple in particular that came to mind is Pastor Vern and his wife, Migsy Jensen, that have, he was on staff here for a long time, elder in our church. Uh, we got a picture here for him. Everybody say, oh, that's right. Well, a lot of the things they do to keep that spark alive in their marriage probably aren't appropriate for us to address from the stage. Uh, but one thing, one thing I do want to mention is they swim together several times a week. I'm not much of a swimmer or a floater for that matter, but when they go to the pool, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different lanes, plenty to where they could have their own lane, but they choose to swim in the same lane so that as they pass by each other, Pastor Vern can pat her on the bottom. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. That's, that's good. That's there's some behaviors that are keeping the love alive. I remember the first marriage retreat that Lisa and I went on, uh, Pastor Vern and Migsy did the sex talk at the marriage retreat. And uh, they, they talked about how they take a shower together every day. And <laughs> I, listen, which, I which didn't is need important. to hear that. Yeah. I didn't need to hear that. I didn't want to hear it, but, but we did. And so you get to hear it too. So it's important to note for the panel, some things can't be unheard. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> Enter at your own risk. Oh, but, uh, but that's great. Great answer. It's, you know, you, you act your way into a feeling sometimes. And not to get back to where you were, but to get to where God wants you to be. And mm -hmm. so the love... The feelings are going to change over the years, but, but yeah. the goal isn't just to, if the goal is to get back to where you were when you were engaged, it's a futile goal because it's going to be different. It's hopefully going to be more yeah. in-depth, more thorough, more, more powerful of a love. So let's move on. Let's move to the next That's question. Good. What about single mothers who are new with their journey with God? How would one go about dating with that? Hmm. What about That's such mothers? a good question. I, you know, I would just... I'll speak to that because I know I can Im not imagine what it's like to be a single mother. And, um, but my best friend is a single mom and divorced, still praying for her husband. And um, she's one of the most incredible women I know, one of the most incredible mothers I know. And I will just say there's nobody who has truly sharpened me in my marriage more than her. So to, um, just to, to speak to that, to say, though, in the very beginning of their journey, journey with God, it is a sweet kind of falling in love time, just like the newness of a dating relationship where you know, there's just times where you're, you get to experience kind of the fresh power of God's word, the fresh power of being intimate with him. So out of, this is not, you know, biblical, but I would say from personal experience, don't, don't skip over that, you yeah. know, in looking for um, a dating relationship or that husband, because it does say in Isaiah 54, it says, you know, the Lord's your God, he is your maker and he will also be your husband. And um, I don't know, I would just to speak to that, to say, don't, don't negate the fact that that initial time with him mm -hmm. is so beautiful, you know, in hopes of what is to come, because he does have great plans in store, no doubt. Yeah. That's good. And I would just say, you know, surround yourself with a community that's going to help you with that. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, wisdom comes with a, a, a lot of counsel, counselors, a lot of friends that are going to help you in that. And so that's, that's a, a tough question for any of us to speak to, obviously, from experience. But I would say yeah. having people that know you, that love you, that can kind of help guide you through that would be an important part. Don't, don't date in a, a vacuum. Make sure you're listening to the the counsel of, of many in that. And, um, yeah. and then just protect your kid's heart. And you, you, you as a mom, uh, would know that way better than any of us would, but that you would uh, go along at a, at a journey that you wouldn't be introducing a new man to your, your kids sooner than, than they would need to. And so, but great question. And um, again, good answer. Let's move on to the next one. Should Christians only date other Christians and 
what do you do when your family 100% does not approve of the person that you are dating? <laughs> I like wow. the, the certainty of that percentage. 100%. <laughs> Wow. Uh, well, the first question, should Christians date only Christians? I think the Bible speaks to that. Um, the Bible speaks very clearly on that. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And I think the Bible is very clear that, that we are not to, to marry someone who doesn't share our faith. And, and when you yeah. hear the word, don't be yoked together, that's not a language that we use a lot today. And, and so obviously it's, it's talking about a double uh, yoke with two oxen would kind of together plow a field, and so you would want to make sure that they were of uh, equal strength. And so, when you talk about spiritually, if you're unequally yoked, if there's one person who's not interested in going anywhere spiritually and the other person is, then you're going to end up just basically going in circles uh, around each other, and, and it's going to be a frustrating, frustrating experience for you guys as, as a couple. So, and I would also say, just if you are dating and you are a woman who is looking for, I mean. If you really are after God and all he has for you, then you have to remember that the position in which the man takes in your home, in your future home, and the future father of your children is the head of the house. And mm -hmm. so he essentially helps um, lead your family. And so if he is not making um, the choice to follow Christ in his life prior to marriage, then it's going to be a hard journey after marriage. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, those feelings of love are going to come and go. They're going to wax and wane um, in marriage. And you have to have that foundation. Now, if you're already married, that's a totally different yeah. story. Yeah, and we'll, we'll address that in, in just a minute. But the, the other one, the 100%. Yeah, yeah. second question is uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I would say, yeah, you want to honor, you want to <laughs> honor your parents. Um, so hear them out, obviously introducing the, uh, the boyfriend or girlfriend to them. Uh, but depending on their preferences, you know, the reasonings as to why they don't want you to be with that person. Yeah. It just, it makes yeah. Usually tricky. we have blind spots when yeah. we're dating. Like when you're kind of head over heels, usually there's some blind spots. And so if, if your family and close friends are 100% against the relationship, you need to pay attention to that. That's what yeah. I would say. Now, if I were talking to the parents... To say there, there are some parents that you're going to be 100% against anyone taking your, your kid and marrying them. And yeah. so kind of recognizing that there is a, a letting go process that happens as your kids grow up. And, and don't be that parent that's, that's not going to approve of anybody. You know, think through yeah. the future of knowing that this is, I want to be involved in their lives. I want to be involved in their kids, grandkids' lives and all that stuff. And so there's that. But if, if it's 100% against, my counsel would be you probably need to you probably need to get out of that relationship. Yeah, so. or at least give it time. You yeah. know, if if they're of good character and are believers, but your parents just don't like them, then you yeah, know over time. time they can see them. Yeah. Cool. Walk that out. Let's move on. Next question: How do I get my husband to want to join me at church? I hate going alone. Mm. You know, that's kind mm. of a like fast forward to the question about should I date or marry a non-Christian? Uh, there are many many people in the church who are in that position, yeah. they've been married to someone who's not. And I would say, first of all, that covenant of marriage supersedes any principle we've talked about before. If you're married, you yeah. need to stay in that covenant. That's it. Honor that covenant. And the Bible speaks to it. But I, this is one that came in ahead of time. And, and I wanted to ask our campus pastor up at the North Charleston Dream Center, Sam Lesky, as well as his wife, Joan, to speak to that because that was their story. So take a minute and listen to their story. Well, we moved here to Charleston when my kids were young and I had no family, no friends. And I met this woman on the playground. 
I call and her, she, the woman we met on the playground, I call her the crazy lady, because she was just too happy she was not and, too, and too full of joy. <laughs> she was, she befriended me. She, um, after a while, she invited me to a Bible study and their childcare. And so I'm thinking, I could learn a little bit about God. I grew up Catholic. And so anyway, I go to this small group and um, it's on how to be a good wife. And at this point, I am not the best wife. I wasn't that nice. And so anyway, um, so I started implementing some things. Um, I started um, having dinner on the table. I started his, having slippers by the door. And, and he'd look at me like I was crazy. But I was being nice and patient with my kids. So the crazy lady from Seacoast was rubbing <laughs> off on her, uh, taking her to Bible study, teaching her to pray, teaching her to read the Bible, uh, and teaching her have a, how to have a godly attitude. Um, and so finally I asked him to go to church, and um, that was not an easy task. And so he went once, and then... <laughs> I seen the change in my wife, and I knew okay. that obviously what Seacoast was doing and what church was doing and what God was doing in my wife's life what was major and it was a great thing. It was great to see the joy in our house, the joy in our kids. Uh, so I knew that I had to come along and, and see where this was coming from. Uh, and it was not an easy task. It was hard, he was tough. And so, but I kept being consistent with him. I kept just trying to, I pray and I wouldn't look, I look, wouldn't watch the soap operas, I just pray to God. And so anyway, I just, um, and God answered my prayers, but it did take a process. It was a process. So I encourage you, you know, ladies out there who, who need to get your husbands to church, I just encourage you, you know, to, to pray, to read the word, and to just live it out at home. Live it out before your husband. And, and I don't mean for a week or, or two weeks, but be consistent and just live it out. Go above and beyond. If, if you want drastic change, then take drastic measures. And uh, I'm so thankful for Joan for, for taking those drastic measures, for making that change, uh, and for leading our family in a walk with God uh, where we could be a part of a great church and great small groups and uh, just continue to serve God. That's awesome. So food on the table, slippers at the door. That's the one part of that story. I would have never pictured Pastor Sammy as a slippers guy. Slippers guy. Yeah. Maybe someone up at the Dream Center could ask him about that after the service. It would be helpful. So. No, but it is true. You know, actions do speak louder than words. And in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news... Your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. That's good. Mm. What a great challenge, not only for uh, our unbelieving spouses, but for uh, an unbelieving world. You know, yeah. We would live yeah. our lives in such a way that they would follow Christ. Let's, let's move on to the next question. What does the Bible say about gay relationships? Are each of them not children of God? What if they are Christians and feel that God is leading their lives? Wow, this question. is a question that came in, you know, today. We haven't had that one yet. And I, I would just speak to, uh, speak to that in, in a couple of different ways. This is obviously a sensitive issue. Um, and to the question of, is homosexuality a sin, which is a, a question I think many people ask about, I would say that according to God's word, it is. And, and so that's Old Testament, New Testament. It's, it falls into the category of, of sexual impurity, of sexual immorality. Uh, and, and it is a sin. It's, it's mm -hmm. a sin laid out in the Bible. There's no way around that. Uh, but, but here's what I would say about, about that issue. I think that for some reason, 
the church at large has decided to make this the issue that we're going to stand, you know, put, put our stake in the ground on. And, and I think it's an important issue, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it isn't. But you know what? Sexual morality is a sin, whether that is premarital sex, whether that's adultery, whether that's lust, pornography, uh, there's pride, there's greed, there's all kinds of sins at, the, at, the, at hand in the Bible, and we don't check your sin at the door. Seacoast yeah. is not a church where you need to come in and go, this is my struggle, what's yours? You know, we don't do that at the door. We believe that if you are homosexual, if you're, uh, whether you're struggling with that or where, wherever you are in that journey, I hope that Seacoast would be the church for you because this is a yeah. place where all of us sin and fall short, short of the glory of God. And so uh, we welcome you here. We, we, we want you here. And, and, and honestly, our desire for you isn't that you would change. Our desire for you is that you would experience the love of Jesus Christ like the rest of us need to experience. Yeah. So that's what I would say to that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. To that issue. And, and, and I think, you know, I, I think that if we would get as, as upset about, you know, I, I've heard people even say, I've, I've heard Christians say, I, well, I hate gay people. That's because you've never met one then or you're not a friend with one. And mm-hmm. what we need in this conversation is less one-liners and more conversations. Yeah. Uh, I have some very close friends that are homosexual, and, and when I've sat down and understood their issues, I feel like I've, I've understood them a lot better than, than any political argument's gonna, gonna give you, than any um, one-liner's gonna give you. And so I would just encourage us as a church, um, let's, let's honestly live out the love of God with not only the people that look like us and struggle with the same issues that we struggle with, but people who struggle with different issues than we struggle with. And so... Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that. That's Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think anything needs to be added to that. But I would say just speaking to the family, it seems like this is coming from a heart that is looking at a brother and sister struggling. And I just think for any of us to know that, you know, we have a dad who's big enough that sometimes we think the law can do what only grace can do. Only an encounter with a loving faithful God can do. And so for any of our brothers or sisters that are struggling in anything, you know, we have a dad that's big enough. Um, His grace is able, more than able. So just for us to not fear and just to love well, you know, in that. Good. Thanks for the question. Great, great question. Let's, let's move on. I know sex before marriage is wrong, but is it wrong to do anything else? (laughs) (laughs) No, you can do lots of things. Like, you could go bowling, go to the park, <laughs> go to a movie. Yeah. Uh, that's why options. Katie and I had a very healthy recreational life prior to that. Uh... <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. This question speaks to the, the age-old issue, like, if you're dating or if you're engaged, how far is too far? Like, what's, what are the boundaries? I think back to, like, high school. I remember going to, like, these youth camps and... And they would use the baseball diamond illustration. You know, you got like first You're base, go there? second base. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah we're gonna go there. If you grew up Baptist, you know, first base may have been like the interlocking handhold, you know, and then you kind of move on to a kiss. If you were in a more progressive church like Seacoast, first base may have been kissing, and then you kind of move from there. I never understood the heavy petting, though. Like, is that, is that wrong? <laughs> on stage, her favorite. Okay. All right. Good. Here's what I would say about that analogy. And I could get myself in trouble here, but I'm a competitive guy. So if I'm going up to the baseball diamond, I'm, I'm, I'm in the batter's box. I'm going in it to hit a home run. I don't know about you guys. I want to score. So. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm happy with a healthy on-base percentage. Would be okay. a, a good. Fair enough. Fair there. enough. Here's, here's my this point. It's getting out of control. It's getting out of control. <laughs> here's my point. God made sex. Sex is a gift that he's given us. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. And so what I'm saying is that if, if we, and it wasn't a process that was meant to be 
like stopped when you're almost there, if you will. Like to, to get around second base, by the time you're rounding third, the third base coach is going, stop, and you're ignoring all signs, and you're, you're headed home. You know what I mean? So it's, I can remember Lisa and I, when we were dating, it's a struggle. And if you have chemistry, if you have physical attraction, this is going to be a struggle for you. I hope that it is a struggle for you. It's, it's one that we need to really wrestle down. How are we going to handle this? And I know it felt at times where we had like one foot on the, on the gas and one foot on the brakes, and it just felt very j- just difficult um, to, to navigate this, this question. And, and so maybe you could speak to... How we handled it. Well, <laughs> thanks. I mean, you had to keep your hands off of this. <laughs> no, I do remember being sort of in the trenches of like, okay, we, uh, we were young when we were dating. And, you know, we had a long engagement. It was 17 months long, which was all of eternity in, during that season. And um, I went on a trip with some girlfriends and met a really just a godly couple uh, that was just such an example to me. Um, and they were a really cool couple and, um, they had chosen that they were not going to kiss until they got married. And I thought, oh, wow, I don't, I don't know if I can do that, but that's really inspiring. And so, um, that (laughs) night I (laughs) didn't feel all that inspiring to me. (laughs) Well, that night I went, um, went back to the hotel and, uh, I just, you know, spending some time in the word and I just felt like the Lord was saying, you know, you guys are struggling and this is what I've called you to do. And, um, I think you need to pray about this. You need to, to really, um, you know, consider this. And so um, as I was praying, I just felt like the Lord said to me, um, I want Josh to lead in this. So, if, so I started praying, like, Lord, if this is really your will for us, then have him initiate this. That Which we pretty stop. much meant it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I knew that. I, I thought there is no way on the planet that he'll ever initiate that. So... Um, so I actually kind of had it like, okay, I'll keep praying about this. So, um, <laughs> so actually it was about, I came home, told him about this couple. He was like immediately like, well, that's not for us. So I was like, oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> a couple months later, um, we were on our way to first Wednesday and I will never forget. We were sitting in the car and we pulled into the parking lot and he said, I do not know why I cannot shake this, but I just, I feel like the Lord is saying that we've got to stop kissing until we get married. And I was like, I she thought- said her actual words were, can we start tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. I did. Here's, so, here's the principle, though. And we did. Like, and we, we decided not to kiss until we were married. It was about a nine-month stretch there. And it was very difficult. But I think that God really honored that because mm-hmm. we needed to learn self-control. I mean, honestly, that's, that's what God is developing in you. If you're dating, if you're mm-hmm. engaged... Yeah. you're learning self-control and, and it's a biblical principle and, and you just need to honor God in that. And I think that he's blessed our marriage. I think he's blessed our yeah. sex life because of it. I think he, he will bless our obedience. And the, yeah. But the, the, the scripture that I want to point you to is, is a scripture, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, that says we are to flee from sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. So sex before marriage is sexual immorality. And, and so we're to run towards purity and flee away from sexual immorality. And so I wouldn't say to be legalistic that because God told us not to kiss, he's telling you not to kiss. No, not at all. Like that's up for, to you to s- decide. You hear from the Lord on that. But my question would be, are you running towards sexual morality or are you running towards sec- sexual purity? And, you know, mm-hmm. anytime we ask the question, should I be doing this or is it okay for me to do this? I would say 90% of the time you probably shouldn't be doing it, you know, because that's probably the Holy Spirit that's convicting you to not do that, so. That's great, man. That's great, and it's one of those areas that uh, 
that all the world is going to struggle with. You know, like you're saying, if you are dating someone and have yeah. chemistry with them at all, you know, there's going to be a draw there to go to places that are impure. So it's so important for us as a church to wrestle that down and be willing to be a light in the darkness. And it's a conversation similar to your story that I feel like you have to have over and over and over. I remember for Katie and I, it was, man, if we're watching a movie, we cannot kiss if, if we're laying down. Then it was, man, we can't lay down. Then it was, <laughs> you know, like, I can never see you in a bathing suit again. You know, it was just like, it was, we, we had to continue to come on that conversation. But a passage that comes to mind is First, first Timothy 4.12. It says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. So I would say yeah. the, uh, the principle for us there is whatever your boundaries are, are they one that set an example for believers yeah. in purity? One that you can invite others to, hey, follow me as I follow Christ, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and chase after purity here. So Love it. Love that question. Yeah. Let's move on. I want to know if God will bless a relationship if a couple not married has sinned together physically. I know waiting is the best, but if we made a mistake, will God not bless us being together? And that's great. I'll tell you what, with this question, not only, I think what I love about it is that his, his mercies are made new every morning, every day. So whatever sin mm-hmm. that you may be struggling with now, whatever behavior or addiction you struggled with yesterday, in this moment, in this day is a new day and blessing follows obedience. Mm-hmm. So by you saying, God, I've walked my own way up to this point, but I want to walk out. I want to turn from my sin, repent of it, and walk in a way that would honor you. Not only will he bless, uh, bless your obedience, but he'll separate you from your sin. You think about a man like David who committed adultery. He's not known as David the adulterer. He's known as David, a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Or, or Peter that denied Christ three times. He's not the disciple whom denied Christ. He was the cornerstone on whom uh, Jesus would build his church. So absolutely he will forgive you and, and absolutely he will separate you from your sin that you'd be seen as a son or daughter of God. So yeah, that's so cool. I, I totally agree. In Acts 3, it says, repent of your sins and they will be washed away and times of refreshment will come upon you from the Lord. And I just would tell this couple, you know, prepare for his blessing. He, our God loves to bless. He can't help himself for, for blessing. So if we posture ourselves after that and wanting to obey him, you know, it's just, it's a great God to be able to do that too, to kind of bring ourselves under what he tells us to do. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I would just say, if you're here today, and maybe that's been a struggle for you, uh, today could be that new morning. You know, he said the mercy, his mm-hmm. mercies are new every morning. That make today that morning. Today be kind of a line in the sand that you draw to go. You know what? I know we've fallen short up to this point, but let's let's draw a line in the sand. Let's repent of that, and let's let's make today a new day and, God, and yeah. see God bless your relationship. So, let's let's keep moving. Next question: How do you restore trust in marriage <clears throat> once it's been broken? It's a great question because, you know, I feel like it's one that we can read and a lot of times say, well, that will never be an issue for us. Uh, But honestly, the kind of mystery of the covenant is this oneness between a man and a woman that a woman would leave her mother and father, be united to her spouse, that they would become one flesh. When there's been trust that's broken, whether it's something serious like some type of betrayal or adultery or something less serious like taking money from the grocery budget to buy a shirt, that's never happened. Not that I have a never. testimony <laughs> testimony I could share there, but uh, but it's important. It's important because it's what uh, it's what that we need to change the subject. I'm starting to sweat. We'll get we'll get hot. That's funny. Well, the enemy will use it to strike really at the core of our yeah relationships. Yeah, yeah. So. and I mean this is one uh, that Lisa and I have dealt with. Um, you know when we when we were dating and engaged, 
Um, I got saved when I was 19. Uh, you know, I'd kind of lived my life prior to that and been open with just about everything, uh, every struggle that I'd had. And I, I emphasized just about, you know, she knew about previous relationships and previous, you know, addictions, drugs, all that stuff that I'd been involved with that God had delivered me out of. Um, but what, one that I didn't tell her about was a struggle that I'd had with pornography. And uh, it was one that I'd never really talked with anybody about. And so I always sort of talked around the issue, you know, like we would talk about lust and I'd kind of go, well, yeah, of course, every man deals with that, but you just kind of learn to bounce your eyes and never got into the specifics of it when in reality, mm -hmm. it was a struggle that I was, I was living out. And so um, I'll never forget two years into our marriage. So this was about 10 years ago uh, in, in 2003, um, I was out with some friends and I got a phone call from Lisa and she had found some stuff on our computer and I just knew by the tone of her voice like betrayal had been broken. She had found something and, and like it was all coming out into the open. And, and I can remember coming home that night and just it being really a process of several months, uh, several years really that it took us to kind of build things back up because I, I felt like at the time I was an intern in ministry, so I was beginning to go into ministry and I just felt like this was something you don't talk to anybody about. Like, I'm not supposed yeah. to struggle with this. I'm, I'm trying to become a pastor. I'm trying to go into ministry. So I'd never been real with anybody about this in my life. And so um, I betrayed her trust. And I think just like Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew, that if you commit adultery, if, if you lust with your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart already. And, and it was as if, as if I'd had an affair. And, um, and it, was, it was brutal. It was very difficult for us. Yeah, and, you know, I just remember um, going through you know, almost mourning um, this husband that I thought he was. And, you know, I, I mistakenly would even put him, you know, kind of on a pedestal where a lot of my security and who I was was tied up into him and, and not as much in the Lord as it needed to be. Mm -hmm. And um, I just went through so many different emotions of anger and um, just sadness and mourning this, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm blindsided. I, do, do I know you as well as I thought I knew you? And, um, you know, the enemy really, um, really tried to, to bring in just doubt and discouragement and really was after our marriage to divide us and really want to, I mean, that is, that's his goal. His goal is if he can destroy your marriage, yeah. he can really, you know, of course he can't do all he wants to through your marriage um, if, if it's not together. And yeah. so. One of the things that I think as you were sharing that, like, what happened for me is I learned that I could trust Lisa because I, I, I thought I trusted her, but I trusted her with everything except for the, the, the worst parts of me. And, and it yeah. was in that moment that I was sort of, and it was not by my own, you know, willingness. It was because you found something, but where you were able to go, okay, this is, this is all of you. You know, this is all of you. And, and this is an area that had, had been a struggle. And so now she knew it and she could help serve me in that. And I can remember, so how do you restore trust? I'd say one you got to get help. You, you got to get help. Don't, like everything in me, like, and I even told her, this needs to stay between us. Like, can you please, let's work through this on our own. And that was the enemy. That was, that was a lie. That was not true. We needed help. And I remember one morning uh, at about six o'clock in the morning, we had been fighting all night long. And I finally picked up the phone. And first I, I opened up the phone book and looked for counselors in the area that wouldn't know me. Uh, but then finally I was like, you know what? Cause I just wanted to not talk to anyone who knew me about it. And finally I picked up the phone and I called pastor Jerry McSwain and I said, Jerry, uh, I need to talk to you. Like, mm -hmm. can, can we come over? And we went over at about six 30 in the morning and we spent the whole day with Jerry McSwain, just crying mm -hmm. and being broken and kind of trying to process this. And so that was a turning point, I think in our healing 
because we, we brought somebody else in who could help speak life into our situation. And it really was healing for me to know that he had somebody who was going to be holding him accountable. Mm -hmm. And we had people come around us who, who loved us, believed in us, point us back to truth, um, to the word of God, and, and who were going to fight for our marriage. And so um, knowing that gave me peace. And a lot had to be laid on the table. I mean, he had to give me every password. Mm -hmm. He had to become a completely open book. Well, and repentance had to happen. And exactly. I mean, I had never mourned over my sin in the way that I did in that moment. Yeah. Like, so like there was a moment for me where I was just broken. I was at the end of myself and I, I hated what the enemy was doing in my life, what I was allowing the enemy to do. And so that, of course, allowed for total transparency, mm -hmm. passwords, everything. And I'd say if you're in that situation and you are the, the betrayer of trust, you've got to get to that place of repentance and you've got to be willing to open up cell phone records, history files, what, like it's all yours. And, um, and, and it was like a period of time, months and even probably up to a year that Lisa would check regularly and kind of had this fear of being blindsided again, of being surprised again. And so she would check and check. And, mm -hmm. and, and I was like, that's great. You, you need to check. And over time, I think it built some confidence in her that, that she would be able to trust me again and she would be able to heal. And I'll never forget like when the kind of it all. Well, and I, just to go back, the, the, um, I, I knew that he was after victory in this when he took some drastic measures. And I remember like coming into our office where our computer was one morning and he had completely dismantled the computer and he had decided, you know what, I'm going to get victory in this. And so it gave me this, you know, um, confidence. I could, I felt like, okay, you know what, even though it's really hard, I am going to choose to trust him and I'm going to choose to get behind him and I'm going to, we're going to be a team and we're going to fight this because the enemy really wants you to just believe that he's doing this hurt to me. But the truth is, is that I had to see what the enemy was doing. Yeah. And addiction is chains. I mean, it's chains wrapped around someone. And so I had to shift my focus of you hurt me to the enemy is not going to take over our marriage. That's good. That's good. About a year and a half later, we were at a first Wednesday. And I think uh, God just sort of brought it to Lisa's heart that, you know, mm -hmm. it's time to move on. Like it's time to, it's time to bury this mistrust. And so I remember we went home that night and she wrote out on a piece of paper, mistrust, uh, anxiety, some other things, that, anger, that, anger mm -hmm. that were, were in her. And we literally took a shovel and dug a hole in our backyard and we buried it back there. And it was silly. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt contrived. It felt weird, you know, but it was like, we needed to put a stake in the ground to go, it's over. Mm -hmm. Like God's delivered us from this. He's delivered me from this. That was 10 years ago. Pornography's not been an issue in our marriage in 10 years. And so I would say to those of you that may be struggling in that area, yeah. like if, if we'll repent and if we'll allow some people to speak into this, God wants to heal us from that. He wants mm -hmm. to set us free from this kind of bondage. And so um, I hated that season. That was a, the, the, one of the darkest valleys that we've been through in our marriage. But I would say on the other side of that, that um, there's a love and an intimacy and a trust and a, mm -hmm. a oneness that, um, you know, I, I would go through it all over again in order to get that. I so. would too. And I really feel like it really was a cornerstone in our marriage, like a, a mark in time where we really basically took a 90 degree turn and really just started headed in the right direction. And I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, our marriage has been just so strong, like so much better on, as a result of walking through that valley. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All so right. Let's, thank you. Okay. Let's hit two more questions. We've got time for about two more. Yeah. If you aren't financially stable, is it still reasonable to get married? I think That's you great. can answer that one, I Josh. do. I got, I got some... <laughs> I got some scripture for that one. <laughs> 1 
first of all, ain't no pride in having a sugar mama or a sugar daddy. I'll say that. <laughs> um, no, I think it's interesting when you think back to Pastor Jimmy Evans' message, you know, the trend over the last even 50 to 75 years has increased in that people used to get married a lot younger. And I don't think that's because they were much more financially stable. Uh, but now, uh, the older you get, there's wisdom also in waiting, but there's also a lifestyle to sustain the longer that you're single. So the passage that came to mind for me was Ecclesiastes 4. It says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up, but pity the one who falls and has mm -hmm. no one to help them up. Verse 11, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. That doesn't have anything to do with the financial portion of it, but it's <laughs> just a good one. Right. But I would say, I would say for that, uh, you know, there is, it's easy to stay bound in the financial thing in, in terms of coming together and two becoming one and feeling the pressure of, I have to get my life together. I have to get things in order. Uh, there's truth to that to some degree. Katie and I got married in college and, and I was far from having everything together. And so I would say uh, the passage, Amos 3.3, that says, um, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? I would say, what's the direction of the financial story? Uh, when you need a car, how do you approach that? Is your perspective to go out and get a loan and get the car you want? And is her perspective to save up and buy a cash car? Uh, I would focus more on the story that God's writing and less on the, the completion of it. You don't have yeah. to have it all together. You just yeah. have to be willing to. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, I think that we learned, we got married. I, she was in college full time and I was uh, waiting tables. So we weren't financially stable, but I think that um, God sort of wrote that story together for us and for mm -hmm. others, you come in at different levels. So you're probably never going to be ready financially. Uh, same question goes with children. You know, you kind of, yeah. you jump in and God's going to be faithful to meet you where you're at. You know, so Good. Yeah. let's get one more question, then we'll, we'll be done. If God forgives our sins, why won't Seacoast marry a couple who are living together? Mm, question. That's, that's a good question. That's a good God. question. <laughs> First of all, I would say that every, every story is different and every story is unique. Um, and so even to make a blank, it is our policy at, at Seacoast that we would prefer that you not be living together uh, for us to marry you. And, and the reason that we uh, ask that is not because we are like these controlling, like power hungry people that want to see you. No, it's because we want to see you honor God. I think if, if, if people mm -hmm. need a pastor to marry them in the same way that they need a florist to bring their flowers in the same way that they need someone to, to direct their wedding, that's not what we're here for. But if you're mm -hmm. looking for God's blessing on your relationship, that's what we want to help you with. That's why we do premarital counseling and that's why we do it. So I'm not, you know, I hope you don't hear that as a condemning thing. I, our heart is that we would help you live your lives and live your relationship in a way that would honor God and that would... would proceed blessing in your marriage. And I can tell you, there've been several couples that I've gone through premarital counseling with and financially it made more sense for them to live together. Uh, they'd become comfortable with that. But in kind of the conversations that we had, they made the tough decision to move apart before they got married. And, and God has blessed that. God has honored that because we talked about that with, with kind of the sexual sin struggle before, like setting boundaries. You're, you're establishing a principle that's gonna live throughout your entire marriage. We are going to honor God. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to make the hard choices. And when you have kids, it's sometimes going to be easier to let them do whatever they want to do. But you've already established, no, we're going to do the hard thing, but the right thing when it's possible. And so that yeah. would be our encouragement. That would be our heart. We want to see healthy, strong marriages at Seacoast. And so the premarital process, and like I said, every 
couple is different. I've married couples that were living together. Uh, I don't think it was the best situation, but I think in the, in the time that it was a, a quick wedding and it didn't make sense. And so they, they agreed to move into separate rooms. And I don't think that's ideal. Probably shouldn't have even said that, but don't, don't not come to Seacoast because you think we've got this hard and fast policy. We're about people. We're about relationships. And so we, we would love to hear your story and help you process and help you make the decision for what God's calling you to do in your relationship. Yeah, yeah. I always encourage couples in that, that, that no step is too radical, you know, that blessing follows obedience. And you want to think about the story that you're going to tell your children one day, you know, uh, mm-hmm. this is what mommy and daddy did. We used to be this way, but when we decided to get married, this was the choice that we made. So whether you're, you're living together, if it is moving into a separate room, if it is moving in with a friend, when you've got a date on the calendar, there's an end in sight. Hopefully it's not 17 months. That's right. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, hey, would you thank the panel for uh, being with us? As we were kind of praying through this, I just had three sort of quick thoughts as we close, just kind of wrap it up, um, uh, based on what kinds of questions might come in, not knowing what, what would come in and what wouldn't. But the first one is this, God, God loves you desperately. I don't know where you're at today, whether you're single, uh, whether you're married, whether you're in a, a, a healthy relationship, whether you're in a very difficult relationship, uh, whether you're in great community with other believers or whether you feel lonely right now, God loves you desperately. Uh, As Pastor Jeff said a couple of weeks ago, you are God's masterpiece. He created you with great intentionality. And so don't ever question that. Don't ever question the love that God has for you because it's deep and it's wide. Uh, Secondly, I I would encourage you that blessing always follows obedience. Blessing follows obedience. When we fall, usually it's because we didn't follow God's original model. And, and if we would get our noses in God's word, if we would, if we would be committed to learning what he has to say about it, where, again, I think about King Josiah. He was one of the Old Testament kings. And uh, he was leading the best way that he could. They didn't have the, the, the scriptures. They didn't have the, the ancient scriptures at the time. They were, they were missing. And during his reign, they found them. And so a priest came and read these scriptures to King Josiah. And the Bible says that when he saw the, what the Bible said, versus the way that he was leading and he saw the discrepancies, he, he tore his clothes. He ripped his clothes in mourning because he realized he wasn't leading in a way that was honoring God. And I would just say for all of us, let's make that hard, that radical choice like Pastor Josh said, to, to honor God, to do the right thing and know that blessing follows that. But thirdly, there's grace for when we mess up. Uh, there's grace for when we mess up. That's the gospel. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This isn't a church that you need to clean yourself up and get your act together before you come in and experience God's power and presence. This is a church that you come as you are. Uh, Jesus said that he came not, not for the, the healthy, but for the sick. And in all of us, and, and all of us have areas of our lives that, that are sick, that are hurting, that are broken. And so I would just encourage all of us as we go into response time, uh, that we would be willing to open ourselves up, even the parts of our lives that are broken, that are hurting, that are lonely, for God to to touch us in a a powerful way and to heal us in those areas. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I just thank you for the gift that is relationships. Lord, I think that all of our life really is about relationships. You said that we're to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and to love each other as ourselves, God. And so so I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us today. Uh, That Lord, the people here that are maybe lonely, that are hurting, that are single. God, I just pray, Lord, that they would understand and know you as the source of their love, that in the, in the, the, the moments of loneliness, Lord, that you would just develop in him, in them a deep-rooted confidence 
and your love for us. Lord, because the truth is, whether we're single, dating, married, if we put that anyone else as that source, if we put anyone else as that anchor for us, we're gonna be disappointed. So for all of us, would we just reaffirm our confidence in you and your love for us? Lord, I thank you for that love. Lord, we commit ourselves to you again today. In Jesus' name, amen.